Grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Ever see the old classic movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? Now, Butch and Sundance, well, they're criminals. They're robbers. They're thieves. They're out in the Old West. They, they rob trains and rob banks. And the movie is a fantastical account of their lives. And you're meant to identify with the criminals, to relate to them, to like them. And it's not too difficult for us to do that because in our sinful nature, we can see ourselves doing many of the very same kinds of things and just like them explaining it away as not that big of a deal. But as Christians, we know that the day of reckoning is coming. A day of judgment is on its way. There's a series of events in the movie in which Butch and Sundance have robbed a train. They, they have planned this whole big heist, and, and they get there to rob the train, and the Pinkerton detectives are waiting. They're set up, and so they have to head for the hills. They have to hop on their horses and to ride away, run for their lives. And in the past, they've always been able to lose whoever was trying to track them. But this time, no matter what tactic they use, no matter what they try, they can't seem to lose the law. And there, time and time again, there, this line comes up. Who are those guys? They can't lose them. They're being tracked down, and they know at some point they're going to get caught. And... When that happens, there will be a reckoning. At some point, Judgment Day will arrive. You can only run from the law for so long. Eventually, it will catch up to you. Well, the law had caught up with these thieves, and it had put them on the cross on each side of Jesus. At least... Thieves is what Matthew and Mark call these men. You have to wonder if these men had been men who committed these crimes and tried to explain them away, or men that did them knowing exactly that what they were doing and that they were doing wrong. Did they try to explain it away by saying, well, we were trying to help others, or we only stole from those who exploited others, or maybe... Maybe just maybe they knew exactly the kind of evil they had done. Maybe they had lived like Butch and Sundance on the run from the law, knowing, it, knowing full well at some point the law was going to catch up to them and they were going to get exactly what they deserved. It's interesting, though. Luke doesn't call them thieves. He doesn't call them robbers. The ESV renders what Luke calls these men as criminals. And that's not inaccurate, but I like the translation better that we have in the King James Version. It, it calls them, uh, well, let me give you the Greek. Luke calls them uh, kakurgos. I know, your Greek is great, right? What it, what it, it's a combination of two Greek words. It, it is the Greek word uh, kakan for evil, and then ergon, workers, doers. So these men are what? 
malefactors. That's what, what the King James Version says. They are doers of evil. They are workers of evil. They are evildoers. Now, when you put it like that, so are we, right? I mean, at least that's what you said this morning. When we confessed our sins, that's exactly what you told me. That's what you told God. You said, we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. Well, you know what that makes us? That makes us evildoers. And like Butch and Sundance, like the evildoers on the cross, crosses beside Jesus, you can't outrun the law. There will be a reckoning. There will be a judgment day. The law of God is good and holy and righteous. We have broken God's law, and so there must be consequences. Butch and Sundance, they were on the run from the law because they knew what they had earned by their actions, and that was death. When confronted with the reality of our sin, there are basically two ways people respond. And we see those two ways played out by these different evildoers on each side of Jesus. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at Jesus, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The first response we see to the law of God is one of anger and lashing out against God and his law. The evildoer doesn't admit to his sin, he doesn't seek mercy, but he, if you take the words literally here, he calls on Jesus to do what he wants him to do, to help him on his own terms. But I think more likely what this criminal on the cross next to Jesus, this evildoer was doing, was joining in the mockery of Jesus that others had already been doing. He doesn't actually believe Jesus can help him. He mockingly cries out because he's seeking to shame Jesus. Now, the first kind of reaction, uh, the, the first is a, this, this is the first uh, kind of reaction to God's law. And people, people deny they've broken any law. They lash out at God in anger. Uh, this attitude is often shown by those who claim to be atheists that they they really have an anger toward the God that they say doesn't even exist. Now, the other evildoer has a different response. He doesn't proclaim his innocence. He doesn't uh, excuse his sin. He doesn't demand, Jesus, you must do this thing for me. Rather, he confesses his sin and he prays to Jesus for mercy. First, he rebukes the Uh, the other evildoer. Do you not fear God since we are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He admits his guilt. He recognizes the wages of sin is death. He recognizes he's getting exactly what he has earned. But then he prays, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, how does Jesus respond to an evildoer who admits his guilt and comes to him seeking mercy? Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Now, you might ask, how is that fair? 
How is it fair that an evildoer should enter the paradise of God, be with God in glory? How is it fair that this evildoer escapes the eternal death he has earned by his sinful rebellion against God? And the answer is, it's not fair. It's merciful. It's gracious. And it's possible because of Jesus. Evildoers can enter the paradise of heaven because of Jesus. This is exactly what St. Paul was talking about in our reading from Colossians. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Through Jesus, we're delivered from the domain of, do, dominion of darkness, We are transferred into the kingdom of light. Through Jesus, our sins are forgiven, and we are brought back to peace with God. The evildoer on the cross who cried out in faith to Jesus recognized that this Jesus, even as he was being crucified, so this this is very bloody, gory, very real, You have three men being crucified, and right there in the middle is Jesus, and he recognizes that this Jesus, as he's being crucified, with all of the shame and all of the pain and all of the agony that goes into that, this Jesus was the king, the Messiah, the savior of the world. And through Jesus, this man was being transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we are evildoers. We said so earlier. When we confess, but we, we have sinned against the most holy God, and you can't outrun the law. You can't escape God's justice. There will be a reckoning. Day, judgment day is coming. But because of Jesus, this is nothing to fear. This is nothing to be worried about because when we confess our sins to Jesus, we ask for his mercy. His response is the same response that we see with the thief on the cross, with the evildoer on the cross. His response is what? Grace. Forgiveness. That's why Jesus was on the cross. The evildoer recognized that this Jesus wasn't merely a man, but the very Son of God. By faith, he recognized just what Paul was telling us in Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. And all of that's true. Jesus is before all things. He is over all things. He holds all things together. He is preeminent. He is first in everything. But the good news about King Jesus is articulated in those next two verses. For in him, The fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Peace 
Peace with God by the blood of his cross. Butch and Sundance, they kept running. They kept running until the law finally caught up to them and there was a reckoning and judgment day had come. But Jesus invites us to stop running. He actually invites us to turn ourselves in because there's already been a reckoning. Judgment day has already come for us. Justice has been done for our evil deeds. Jesus, the Son of God, took that punishment for sin upon himself and paid for it in full. By his blood, he's redeemed us, he's transferred us from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of light. The reckoning has already occurred. Judgment for our sins has already happened. And so, when he comes again in glory, for those who confess their sins and confess faith in him, it will be a day of glory, a day of grace, a day to rejoice. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.